And today's show, it's this money story that rich people or somehow did it uh, dishonestly and that yeah. they're not good people. And I grew up with that influence. And so for me yeah. to when I finally became you know, wealthy and became a millionaire. It's like, I, I, I had this like, wait a minute, people are going to think weird things yeah. about me. They're going to think I'm the jerk. So we have bad money stories. How do we yeah. get over the money? Story? How do uh, we get over a bad money story? I love that you said this because that's, you know, that I do a money blocks profile, like a, a quiz to understand what your blocks are. And there's three overarching and one of them is money is bad. Mon- and the second is money is scarce and money causes stress. And the money is bad is exactly that one. Like rich people are dishonest. Having too much money makes me feel bad. Uh, what if people think I'm a greedy jerk when I have too much money, it's not spiritual to make a lot of money. Like all those things fall under exactly what you're talking about. And it, in a lot of ways, it does come from, you know, the spiritual, the, the, the root of uh, money is the root of all evil core, which is misinterpreted and people right. don't know that. And it's, it's taught in interesting ways. And so we see that time and time again, and, you know, we see it in like movie tropes where the bad people in the movies are the rich people, you know, it's like, yeah. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to another edition of The Root of All Success. This is The Real Jason Duncan, and I'm honored that you are here. And if you're watching on YouTube, hello. You can see I've got a new background. I'm in my new home office studio here in Gallatin, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. My guest is joining me from her home office studio in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'll introduce Dr. Amanda Berrientes here in just a minute. But I first want to say thank you for tuning in. I get a lot of feedback on this show, and I'm so grateful for it. The funny thing about podcasting is that you never really know how many people are listening. You never know how many people are paying attention to it. You don't know. And I try not to get wrapped up in that, but I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time. I had a friend just the other day, send me a, uh, a message on Instagram with a screenshot of my podcast and say, Hey bro, I'm listening to your show, man. Loving it. That's me. That means so much to me because I do this show, not just to hear myself talk, but I want to do this show so that it delivers you extreme value as an entrepreneur to show you the path to success for yourself. In today's show, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Amanda Berrientes, and she is a known as the money healer. She has a uh, her program is called NFA, which stands for no effing around. And what's funny about what's funny about words is that I've taught my kids all my life that that words are all their lives, that words aren't good, or words aren't bad, just words are words, but they can be used inappropriately. But for some reason, I just can't bring myself to say the F word. I just can't. <laughs> that's the one, that's one of the one words I just can't do it. So anyway, she she'll say it for me. I don't have to say it, but she has a, a program called NFA, no F and around. She's a business consultant who helps coaches 
and online entrepreneurs heal their relationship with money so that they can work less and make more and have fun building their businesses, which sounds kind of familiar if you follow me. That's my whole thing is work less and make more. And after going from food stamps to building a six-figure business, she's been on a quest to teach entrepreneurs just like you, just like me, to make more money doing exactly what they love. So please help me welcome our guest today, Dr. Amanda Berientes. Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm really glad you're here. Jason, so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, we were, we, you and I met through a mutual marketing company that we both have used in the past. And uh, you had me on your show not too long ago. And for those that are in my email newsletter, probably if they're watching this, they're going, hey, that lady looks familiar. And the reason <laughs> you look familiar is that I put the entire podcast into my newsletter for all of my people because I thought it was a great conversation. And kudos to you and your team. You guys put together a really great, um, it was pretty fast too. You turned it around really fast, but the the visuals from StreamYard, because you did on StreamYard with all of the uh, you know, the on-screen stuff. And then all of the points, well, you did a killer job. I don't know if you got somebody does it for you, but all the points, like all the stuff that we talked about that that's in my newsletter. So if people are, are subscribing to my newsletter, they've seen your face before and they awesome. would remember your face. So yeah, that was a great combo. I got a lot of good feedback from it too. I need people email me saying, ah, oh, I loved this point and this point. So we rocked it out. I was I had, to a, have you I had one of the, I had one of the listeners reach out to me uh, oh, and just, and she, it wasn't, they weren't requesting anything. They were just saying, Hey, yeah. heard you on the show. It was great. Blah, blah, blah. So it was cool. So, um, I'm now honored to have you on my show and, uh, we're going to have a great conversation today. So, um, I, I always like to start off with, with the question about how your entrepreneurial journey began. So I want to kind of go back there. I want you to think for a second. So a lot of entrepreneurs like you and me, we have stories about, when we were kids, we, we did something for money or, you know, mowed yards, break glass, break, break leaves, or, or we made cookies or whatever. But others, they didn't start their entrepreneurial journey until they were adults. What about for you? When did your entrepreneurial <laughs> journey start? You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because there, you could look back at, over your history and think of so many different points where you can, in hindsight, see, oh, I was a little entrepreneur in the making. <laughs> and yet for me, my parents were entrepreneurs and they had like boom bust cycles. Now I'm so happy that they they have a business that is growing beautifully and they've had, you know, many points of ups and downs over my life course. And so for me, one of the things I thought was like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. And then I was married for 15 years to an entrepreneur and it, same thing, boom bust cycle. We went bankrupt, foreclosed on our house. Like, it, you know, he was a brilliant guy at what he did, but not the greatest businessman. And I would, you know, I'd do the books and be like, you can't spend money here. You got to do this. And he wouldn't really listen. <laughs> and so it, you know, I had a lot of negativity around entrepreneurship where I was like, man, I want security. So I had gone back to grad school. It, it actually, you know, I, I took my first few years of undergrad and got pregnant and dropped out. We had three kids married for 15 years. And in the middle of that, I went back to finish my degree because of his entrepreneurship. You know, we were kind of in business together, but it was really his business and it wasn't going well. And I was like, I want to go back to school and get a stable job. Like that was really my thought. And then I, <laughs> going back to school, I actually ended up, you know, just having a lot of different awakenings that we could talk about. And I, in the middle of that, ended up leaving my 15 year marriage, having an affair 
and my next relationship that I was in falling apart. So here I am on the floor crying one night. I'm in grad school. I have three kids. My ex-husband didn't have a job, so I had no child support. I had already gone to a free counselor and she told me, you know, you got to go on food stamps. And I had a lot of shame around it. And so here I am crying on the floor and I'm looking out at this empty basement going like, oh my God, I don't have enough money for a place to live. I'm terrified. And in that moment, I had this epiphany that I was the center of the problems. You know, I was like, no one's coming to save me. And I created this. And it turned, led me to listen to podcasts because I made this debt, this commitment to myself. Like I'm willing to do whatever it takes to change my reality. I got to have better relationships and make more money because this is not acceptable. And so it led me listening to podcasts all nonstop every minute I could. And I started to learn that relationships and money-making are a skill that you can learn. And through that, I, you know, the magic of the universe, I think at the same time, my department had this national news fallout and professors were leaving and it was super stressful. And I was like, I don't want to be a professor anymore. Like this does not look like a stable, fun career at all. And so I thought, you know, screw it. All these podcast people are coach type people. What if I become a coach and I could do what I love teaching people. And I loved teaching at university. I was like, maybe I'll just take the leap and build a business. And so I did it. And then that first year I went six figures. Holy cow. Okay. So this is the cool part about being on this side of the microphone when I'm interviewing people, because you and I met through the, your podcast, but it was, yeah. you were asking me questions about my story. And now it's like, holy crap, I had no idea. So let me dive into that, the details of that. So your parents are entrepreneurs yeah. and they have a good, stable, growing business now. What, what is it that they do? Now they, my, this is really fun. Actually, my dad's a pool hustler was like, when he met my mom, he paid for her wedding ring, hustling pool, pool <laughs> so like billiards. Yeah. So he's always been really good at billiards and he's done all kinds of different businesses. But then, you know, later in his life, uh, he decided I want to build, I want to have a billiard hall. And so he has a billiard hall called mile high build billiards in near Denver, Colorado. And it's this huge space with a whole bunch of tables and lots of tournaments are played there and it's doing really well. So yeah, they have a pool hall. Okay. So I have never met anybody who ran a pool hall before. So that's interesting. Although yeah. you don't do it, your dad doesn't, but that's yeah. cool. So, but your dad influenced you through his entrepreneurial, uh, his entrepreneurial spirit. And then your ex-husband was an entrepreneur, but evidently not a very good business person. So what business was it that you guys were in together or was he doing it himself or he, he builds electric cars. And so he's got this brilliant mind builds electric cars from the grounds up his, ground up has built like electric delivery vehicles, all kinds of cool electric car stuff. And, and, you know, it is interesting to think about during those years, because I was a stay at home mom, I had little businesses. Like I had an eBay business and I had, I tried to do like um, man, it was at the very beginning. It was like coding for judges. <laughs> like I, I, because I was like, I got to make money from home. I need to contribute here. And so I was an entrepreneur. I just didn't think of myself that way. And my businesses always did well. I always brought in a couple thousand dollars a month and they were stable. I just, the relationship world and the money mixing with my ex-husband didn't work mm. out so well I'm for sorry, us. Sorry to hear that. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, what's funny, you said that you are, uh, that you were, the bookkeeper for his business. And then the book business eventually went bankrupt. You guys went bankrupt. And, and I don't know that this is the cause, but I always tell people that as an entrepreneur, you got to have a coach and a bookkeeper. That's it. You <laughs> yes. absolutely have to have it at the beginning and you cannot sleep in the same house with your bookkeeper. <laughs> 
because Sorry, I wish I would have had you around yes. back in the day. Well, <laughs> and I don't know that this is what caused any of the issues, and it certainly probably wasn't. But but when you sleep with your bookkeeper, <laughs> assuming that you're married to him or they're your your parents, you know, sometimes you can live in your house with your parents. Yeah. But they don't see things the yeah. way an outside bookkeeper would see. But anyway, totally. that's a whole. Well, side and also thing. you can't have those hard conversations. Like he he yeah it didn't work to have those conversations like hey here's where we're at in the books like this money isn't wise to spend it didn't we we couldn't I wasn't capable at the time of communicating that way I had a Mm -hmm. lot of relationship growth work I needed to do to be able to stand up for myself draw boundaries say yes and no not be a doormat like I had a lot of doormat issues in my previous versions of myself yeah well I I, am interested about your schooling and I'm interested about the perspective that you said you had as you wanted to get something that was stable predictable (laughs) use some other words you're like um um uh safe and what's funny isn't that funny now that you're an entrepreneur a successful one you look back and like the most unsafe thing to be as an employee yeah because you're at the whim of the other at everybody else as an entrepreneur you're in control you're the one that calls the shots but nevertheless you and i both made dumb decisions in the past we'll continue to make dumb ones in the future but (laughs) when you went to school where did you where did you go to grad school where where was where were you going at university of colorado boulder so cu boulder okay yeah and, and you were going to study to be a professor, I assume, because that's what yeah, you Yeah, so I got my doctorate there and that I was on track for being a professor. And the program there is a, it's a seven year program. So I was in grad school for seven years and, you know, wow. taught over two. I've taught about twenty five hundred students, had amazing classes, did, wrote a book, dis, you know, did research for dissertation. And I learned a lot along the way. It was incredible. It was in sociology and gender. So I, I my dissertation research, I interviewed incarcerated men. I did life history interviews with them and I researched and understood their history of trauma. And so, you know, they had spent on average 18 years incarcerated and then they were all gang involved. And then, so I studied their trauma through their life course and how they were able to transform because they were in this rehabilitation program. And it was, it was incredible. It was mind blowing work for for me. It really changed me as a person and it really changed them as, you know, through that interview process, they would cry and tell me, you know, I've never told anybody some of these things and thanks for wow. holding the space and listening to me. And it was, it was powerful work. There, it is really interesting for those of us that have had experience having deep, meaningful conversations with people who are incarcerated. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've done that too. Not, not nearly to the level that you're talking about, but I've done that in the past. And when I was in pastoral ministry back years ago, I would do prison ministry and we'd go work with people and and what they would, what they would tell you is just absolutely phenomenal. And, and, and there's this vulnerability that they have. And so I think that probably what you experienced in those conversations prepared you for what you're dealing with today, I would imagine. Absolutely. Even though you probably would never have predicted it would do. No, never. And it, it really changed my relationship with men. It helped me because I went in, my intention was to study why men are so violent. And what I came out was realizing men are violent because they're victimized. And we don't focus on men as victims. We focus on, especially prisoners, as perpetrators. And so it was like that soft humanizing side and realizing like men hurt. Like, I mean, these poor, it was intense. But And then they had this very powerful victor mindset. You know, like one guy, and I still use this term, he said, well, I went from being a victim to a victor. And I was like, wow, if people who've had this hard of a background can do it, why can't the people I coach do it? You know, so I've, I've made so many links through that work to what I do today in my coaching world. 
So Dr. Barrientes is, is studying sociology, gets a PhD. She's a professor. She's living the, uh, the career that she wanted to, to, to make money. <laughs> She's enjoying her work. But what happened? What, what, I mean, you told a little bit of that story, but what flipped in your brain that says, okay, W-2 life, a tenureship as a professor, not for me. I'm going to go yeah. do this on my own. What was it? The problems at the university where professors yeah, were leaving or what was, was, was really, there something else? Yeah. It was like the high toxic stress and critique. Like, like when you're in academia, there's nonstop critique and it's designed to make you better as a scholar. And it's also very disheartening. So it's interesting. I've had uh, read a lot about imposter syndrome and a lot of imposter syndrome books come through studying academia because it's like a breeding ground for imposter syndrome, similar to entrepreneurship in some ways. And it just, it was this toxic stress and also feeling like I'm not going to make very much money. I mean, I, when I went into grad school, for some reason, I had this vision that like, you know, professors make lots of money. They don't. And they work hard. I mean, it's like slave labor. It, you know, they're making maybe a hundred thousand dollars. That's like max amount for a sociologist PhD. And it's hard work. Like you're working a lot. You have, you know, you have a lot of control in your schedule because you're only teaching a few classes. So you have a lot of schedule control, which I love. And you got to move to random places. You can't really choose where you're going to work. You had friends applying for a hundred jobs, hundred and getting a couple of responses and a couple of flats. And then they would move to places like that. I didn't want to live. And I have three kids and I, my whole life had been built in Boulder at the time for 25, you know, I lived in Boulder when I left for 25 years and I didn't want to leave Boulder. And so I just, it was the combination of all those things, lack of freedom, right? It was the lack Mm -hmm. of freedom. So what was that next step when you decided, okay, I'm out, I'm out of the W2 world. I'm not going to be a professor anymore. I'm going to go do my quote on own thing. What yeah. was that own thing? What what were you what were you doing? Hustle. <laughs> I was hustling in a, in an inspired way and in a way of like I gotta make money fast, you know. So I, I realized my gift to myself when I graduated was to go to a Brendan Burchard event and learn marketing because I was like I gotta know how to market my business. Like I don't know anything about marketing a business, and so I went to a Brendan Burchard event and met a whole bunch of people there and started to build my email list, you know, and just he he planted the seed of of this idea of like get content out there, be consistent, you know, start to build your list. Like, and I, all these things I didn't know about. And so I just started doing all those things. I came home from that event and I did my first YouTube video, which is interesting because I started with YouTube and then I, I I pretty much dropped it and went into podcasting because at another event that I went to about a month later, I met a guy and we did a collaborative podcast. And so I started networking a lot. That's really how I started my business. It was, I would go to networking events in Boulder and I would have these powerful conversations with people. I had a crappy website that I built by myself on WordPress and I would just talk and they didn't even look at my website or my cards or anything. We would have a powerful conversation over coffee. They'd have a huge breakthrough during that. I would be like, I'm going to that coffee. They're getting a breakthrough. And on the fly, I would make up a package in the moment and then just say that's what it was. And then we'd start working together. And then, and then I'd, I just kept upping my price rapidly and finding more people. And, you know, it started there. Good for you. What year, what year was all this going down? That was 2019 was oh, my wow. first year. Recently. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So recently, so what was your, what was the thing that you were coaching and helping people get breakthroughs on? 
So I, I thought I was going to do relationship coaching because that's where I had been so broken down. And that had led me to, to, uh, have you heard of Dr. John Demartini? No. Okay. So he's like this, it's, it's, he's very well known in certain circles and not in others, but he's this, I mean, he changed my world, just rocked it. I went to this $35 seminar he had and he did this lecture and I took like, I have the notes still almost 20 pages of notes in a couple hours. Like I was just like writing on fire, like where this has this information been all my life, there's answers. And then he it was a really smart selling, selling strategy because he would do this lecture a couple nights before the weekend event that he'd held in that hold in that city. It's called the breakthrough experience. And so, you know, I was on food stamps and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get to this event. It's $2,000. And I, and I asked him, like, do you do scholarships? Like, how can I get, and he's like, nope, you'll come up with the way. And I did, I went home and I realized I was like, Hmm, where do I, where can I find $2,000? I started selling things. Like I was like, I gotta be there. I know it's like, I am called to be there. And I remembered that I had this fund in my financial aid package for a computer that I had never spent over all the years I'd been at CU. Cause I just kept using the same computer. So I called my financial aid and I'm like, well, he's like, do I still have any money left? They're like $2,000. Wow. So I got, the, I got the money. I went to this event and from there I shifted my focus in big ways to money. And that was the event that really put to my seat. Like I could do a business, like I could start a business, you know? And so that was really the impetus of that. And, um, I, you know, it, it, so it was happening simultaneously as I was leaving school, I started thinking I'm building a business. I took the leap. And then I started going to these networking events. And the interesting thing at networking events is that it's all entrepreneurs. And so I shifted very quickly from like, oh, I'm not going to be able to, the relationship thing isn't going to work in this setting. Let's do business. Let's talk to business owners. And just, I would say, I can help you get unstuck. Come talk to me. If you're stuck, I can help you get unstuck. And I just did it confidently. And I was like, and I knew I could use the stuff I was learning in these workshops to help people. And so I called it the NFA transformation package, <laughs> which is my company name now. So it was this, you know, I just thought of like, what do I, what do I want to give them? NFA, no fucking around transformation. If you're stuck, I can help you get unstuck. And I'd say this at an event and they'd be like, did she just say the F word? And, you know, I'm like public. <laughs> and what was the guy's name? Dr. Martini. What was his name? Dr. John D. Martini. Yeah. Incredible. If you don't know his stuff, you would, you'll, fall in love with them. It's yeah. Incredible. I'll have to look them up. That's not a name that I'm familiar with. And and what's weird about that is that, you know, people like you and me, we keep up with stuff that's going on in the, in, yeah. in the, in the, in the, in the um, seminar world type of thing, yeah. but I have not heard of him. So oh, you'll him get a lot. I, I mean, I've sent so many people his way. He's it, you'll never be the same after you go to one of his events. And he's like, I'm certified in anything you can be certified with him. And I am because he's just, I, I, I spent my first couple of years, you know, I have his whole product library, I read all of his books. He's been on my show. Like he's, he's like an incredible human who's really changed people from the inside out. So I, I, all of my business is built on his philosophies, I would say. Well, what I think is interesting, Amanda, about your story is that you you were paying attention to what was going on around you. Um, so at first you were like, okay, my husband at the time, you know, we got this business, but it's not bringing in the money. So I'm, I, you paid attention to that. And you said, I've got to make some sort of change to bring some cash in. So you're doing your eBay business and you're going to bring some cash in. And then you're like, wait a minute, I need to go get a, a quote, real job. And I'm going to go do this thing. So you went to, to grad school, got that under your under your belt. But then you paid attention to and you saw all of this change happening in the college collegiate professor professor world. 
okay, I got to make a change there. But and you just didn't change from that to coaching and doing things. What I find interesting is that you your attempt to coach or your your first attempts to coach were on what you knew, but then you read the read the room and you're like, wait a minute, it's not it's not just this, it's entrepreneurs. It's not just that, it's money. Yeah. It's I have you ever thought about how you did these really fast little pivots to to to, to feed into the audience? You know, I, I hadn't thought of it in that way. And yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I, I you, you know what it is really? It's that human behavior is human behavior in every setting. So when you learn universal truths, it applies to every single situation. It applies to relationships, it applies to money, it applies to entrepreneurship, it applies to personal mastery, it applies to losing weight, it applies to, you know, it's like the core principles are all the same. And so you can, excuse me, you can pivot from like, am I focusing on relationships? Am I focusing on men? Am I focusing on career development? And so, you know, I I always tell people go with what you know and what, let what you know grow. And so it grows based on this morsel of what you already know. And then you just follow the cues. And this is my manifestation strategy. Now at the time I didn't know I was doing it. So it's exactly what you're talking about. Number one. So there's three steps to NFA manifestation formula. It's so simple, actually. It's simple in in words. People get stuck in a lot of different areas. Number one, with certainty, state what you want, certainty and commitment, right? So it's like, I knew that I was dedicated to creating a business that helped people. I was like, I love the human puzzle. I love to help people. And I am dedicated to having a successful business because once I saw a taste of it, like at that Burchard event, I met coaches who were making a million dollars a year. And I was like, oh, that's possible. Like, I want that, you know? And so I, I just, I, I planted that idea. Like I can have that. And so certainty and then take steps in the direction. And I, you know, I just tell people take massive steps in the direction. So you're talking about action combined with your commitment. And then number three, let the universe show you the way let the universe bring you the opportunities. And that is it. And that's what I did. And so I would, I was with certainty. I took action. I started talking to people and then I just rap, rapidly would pivot based on opportunities that were coming my way through what I attracted through being out there in the world, doing things. And, and it's led to me discovering my zone of genius and helping other people do the same. And of course, money's in there because for me, it was such a, an empowering shift to go from I'm helpless and stuck in survival mode. And I feel like a victim and I feel like I don't understand this money thing. And why can't I make more money? And who are these magical unicorns who know how to do it? And, you know, and then I realized like, it's just a skill and I can do it. And that means anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. And so I just, you know, kept pivoting and I'd have, it's fun at a demartini event actually my my first one i went to i met a group of people that were all from where i the area i was from in boulder and i was like hey let's start a wealth building group because that was my trajectory at that event he helped me shift my values into wealth building being at the top and i was like let's start a wealth building group so we got together and i had everyone write a money story and it impacted all of us so deeply that I was like, this is powerful. So every client I worked with, I had them write a money story. And then that led me to understanding people's money blocks, which led me to NFA money formula, which led me to helping people break through the, all of their unconscious blocks that keep them from making the amount of money they want to make. So it was like this rapid, you know, organic flowing path all in the same direction with a journey and a road that I could have never planned for. That's really interesting. I, I love your three points. State with certainty what you want. Take steps in that direction and let the universe show you the way. What's funny, again, about your story, what I find interesting is that even back to your sociology days when you were studying the uh, male inmates, 
you went in thinking I'm going to study male, uh, would you call it male uh, violence? Why violence. men are so violent? Yeah. yeah. Why, why they're violent, but, and that was with certainty and you took yeah. actions in the right steps in that direction. And, but then you let the universe show you, okay, wait a minute, they're victims and, and not in the, not in the victim mentality that we have some, yeah. some prevalent in our society, today, but they're, they're victimized as well. That's really cool. And then every step of your way, you're changing and letting the universe show. So this, this is really, really good. So let me ask you, I got two, two specific things on sociology and one on money. So from a sociological standpoint, um, what is the one most interesting thing you learned that you didn't know about humans when you Man. did your doctoral study on sociology? Because there are a few things that I teach on so in sociology in my coaching programs um, and I'll give you one just to see, also to give you time to think about my question, but <laughs> there's this thing called the power of 10, 10%. And it's, it's, I don't know if that's the official name, that's what I call it, but it, it states that when 10% of any people group believe or behave in a certain way, it'll soon become majority. So it doesn't take 50, 60, 70% to make it happen. It only takes 10, which for entrepreneurs who have employees, you got to pay attention to that 10%. So is there something really cool that you learn in sociology that you're like, this oh, wow. is the coolest thing that I've learned? <laughs> I mean, I learned so much. It, it was mind blowing to me because I came from a fundamentalist Christian childhood. And then my undergrad was in psychology and then I shifted into sociology and now I'm in like quantum physics world and coaching and, you know, like metaphysics and stuff. So sociology was like the part of my journey that taught me about macro influence on, on systems, you know, it's like sociology is about like, how does the macro affect the micro? So how does culture affect an individual? And so, you know, man, one thing, I mean, that that's, that's a challenging question. I would say overarchingly it, it it taught me to think critically about how we're shaped as people. So it was another layer of the human puzzle. One of, one of the, I'll, I'll give you one that's just really sociological. It's, there's this term called collective effervescence. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's when a collectivity gets together. And now, you know, mixing it with what I know about quantum physics and, and manifestation and law of attraction and stuff like that. It's like collective effervescence is this concept of when people get together, they, they create a vibe you know, and it's not talked about like that in sociology, but that's how I would talk about it. Now it's like, you know, we, whoever you spend time with you, you vibe with it's who you attract your ways is, is who your frequency is vibrating with. And then you attract more and more and more of that. And so it's like creating a tribe around you in coaching is like collective effervescence that's taught in sociology. And I, I love that. I like that a lot. That's a really that cool concept. We're going to take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. All right. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Yeah. Well, so on, on money, what's the one cool money trick or tip? And I'm sure you got dozens and dozens, but like, what's this one thing? Like it, people don't know about this, about money. What, what's that one thing? Oh, <laughs> It's going to sound ridiculous because it's so simple. What people don't know about money is that anybody can learn to be wildly rich. I think that it depends on who you are, right? Because your money story is informed by your history, your childhood, your culture, your community, what you watch on TV, preachers, teachers, like you build paradigms about money beliefs and you think that you have a cap and you don't. And so the, the biggest thing I've learned that people don't know about money is that you can create any amount you choose to create. It's just, you need to tap into wealth consciousness in a different way than you have been. Wow. 
I think you're talking about this money story thing. And I know that uh, I know that most people have a have a bad money story. I don't know many adults who go, yeah, I was taught the accurate perspective of money growing up. And as a teenager, I think our schools do a huge disservice. I think our churches do a terrible disservice and how they teach about money and and they don't teach what it really is, how it's used, how it grows, the impact it can be made through it. I, and I and I love that you're focusing on people's money stories because I know that I had a bad money story growing up. I remember, I remember um, in my church when I was a kid, teenager, I grew up in the church and I remember there was this one really popular uh, adult in the, in the congregation who he worked for a very high end car dealership. And uh, he, he, he drove all the Porsches and the Lotus and the uh, Mercedes and like he, they weren't his, but he was driving them all the time. But, but I remember like not, not, not overtly, but I remember people kind of looking at him with suspicion, like, hey, why is he living in a big house? Why is he driving these? It's, it's this money story that rich people or somehow did it uh, dishonestly and that yeah. they're not good people. And I grew up with that influence. And so for me, yeah. to when I finally became, you know, wealthy and became a millionaire, it's like I, I, I had this like, wait a minute, people are going to think weird things yeah. about me. They're going to think I'm the jerk. So we have bad money stories. How do we yeah. get over the money? Story? How do we uh, get over a bad money story? I love that you said this because that's, you know, that I do a money blocks profile, like a, a quiz to understand what your blocks are. And there's three overarching and one of them is money is bad. Mon- and the second is money is scarce and money causes stress. And the money is bad is exactly that one. Like rich people are dishonest. Having too much money makes me feel bad. Uh, what if people think I'm a greedy jerk when I have too much money? It's not spiritual to make a lot of money. Like all those things fall under exactly what you're talking about. And it, in a lot of ways, it does come from, you know, the spiritual, the, the, the root of uh, money is the root of all evil core, which is misinterpreted. And people right. don't know that. And it's, it's taught in interesting ways. And so we see that time and time again. And, you know, we see it in like movie tropes where the bad people in the movies are the rich people. You know, it's like, yeah, or it's in pursuit of money always. Right. And so we get a lot of paradigm beliefs that shape our entire reality and it's subconscious. So it's important for people to write their money story because they start to bring to conscious awareness what's blocking them. My my business is, is, uh, you know, themed upon this Carl Jung quote. He says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And so it's my job to help people bring to their conscious awareness, the things that have been blocking them so that they don't think it's just the way it is. And then they get to decide from a place of consciousness and deliberate creation and deliberate choice, instead of just having the world push them around and and being victimized by it. Really, it's that they have these thoughts that they didn't know were planted when they were young. And now it's just created a belief system. And what you believe you find in your reality, because what you focus on expands. And so you have this belief money, rich people are bad. And so you will find evidence of it. And then it blocks you from reaching your fullest potential of making money, because as you get wealthier and wealthier, you get more and more scared. Like people are going to think I'm bad. And I call that wealth shame. So you have this wealth shame and then you want to hide your money or you feel, you know, you just have negative feelings about money. So to heal your relationship money, you want to feel good about money and you want to feel like money is just a value exchange. It's just energy and how much value I bring to the world. I'm going to get paid back in the form of money, you know, crypto or cash or whatever it is you choose to put your money in and, and, and how you feel about it is what matters. And it doesn't matter the amount that's up to you. And there's no right amount for every single person. And so you get to 
you know, write your money story from the perspective of the historical view of it and then rewrite it the way that you choose for it to be. I think there are three things from a sociological standpoint that you and I could have long conversations about, but I, you, you mentioned it, you didn't use this term, but there's this fatalism that we all believe that it is how it is. I think that's what you said, that people believe it is what it is and there's nothing I can do about it. And that fatalistic, yeah. I think you used that phrase about, you, you quoted that person about until your unconscious become conscious, you'll think it's, you're guided by fate or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's fatalism. And I think that, that, that traps people. I also think that we referred to this earlier in our conversation, this victim mentality that's so prevalent in today's, I mean, we've seen it over the last two years in our country. It's like, hey, we're victims and we're owed something and we're going to burn down buildings because of this or whatever, this victim mentality. And then the third part of that sociological construct is the poverty, which relates back to money is that poverty, I believe. And I, I certainly don't want to dismiss the fact that there's actual poverty, but I think a lot of it is a mindset. It's a mindset yeah. about what I have and what I'm able to make. And that's why I believe that government assistance in a lot of ways actually has an unintended consequences of keeping people down rather than empower. providing them a way out. Like your guy, yeah. uh, Dr. Martini, you, he could have said, oh, yeah. yes, you poor little Amanda, I'll give you $2,000 scholarship. But he said, no, you'll figure it out. And I exactly. think you're better because you figured it out rather Absolutely. than receiving it. Yeah. And he said that. And I, he was right. You know, it's like I had a couple of the, my first courses I got into is the same thing. They're like, I don't give things away for free. What can you give me an equivalent exchange? The first one, he let me do some work study and do a little bit of a down payment. And then Martini was like, nope, you'll figure it out. And if you know, get resourceful. And it was very empowering. And you're, I think you're totally right. The unintended consequence of, uh, this is interesting to say because I was on food stamps. And when I was on food stamps, I was working, I was full-time grad student, had three kids. I was working my butt off. I was, you know, doing really well in school, working my way to get out of the situation I was in. I had an, I took on an extra job in, in, and it was like, I mean, I could not have possibly worked more to make more money. Like I had to go on food stamps. And so I was really appreciative of that social service and also like, I wanted to get out of that situation as fast as possible, you know, so I think there's different versions of access to social services. Yeah. And, and so it's mindset behind it. And exactly. you're right. It's like, what's the intention behind it? You know, are you sitting back thinking I'm owed this or are you sitting back going, how can I bring value to the planet and to people right. on the planet? And, I, and, and that's why mindset is so important. I know you and I deal with this as coaches all the time. You know, a lot of our clients' issues that are dealing with aren't tactical strategies. They're not strategy issues. They're mindset issues. You got to get your yeah. mind wrapped around these things. And once you get your mind wrapped around it, that's when things will. Act, that's when things can act. You can act on them. They can. You can. You can make some affect some changes. Well, so let's let's do this. I want to kind of pivot just a little bit in our conversation. So this is the root of all success, after all. And you've become very successful as a coach, as a podcaster, as a YouTuber, and you're doing really great things around mindset and money. You've got the NFA plan. You know the three steps that we talked about. You know, state with certainty what you want. And take action in that direction and let the universe guide you. I love that. I love that. So you've been very successful in a short period of time. You've created a lot of success. I'm sure your kids are proud of you. I'm sure your family's proud of you and what you're being able to accomplish. But what, how do you uh, define that word success? Because it's so weird. Everybody's got different perspectives. What, what's your perspective? How do you define it? Yeah, uh, 100% it's freedom of choice freedom to be able to choose how to spend my time, how to, how, how much money I make, who I get to work with, freedom to live in my zone of genius, freedom to travel where I want, like freedom is success to me. 
And that's going to look so different to everybody, right? Because my version of freedom is going to be dependent on the way that I want to create my lifestyle. And then someone else's lifestyle is going to be very different. And so it's like having the power to create freedom of choice in my reality is success to me. I would agree. And I think a lot of people sitting in their cars listening right now are going, yes, that's exactly what success is. It's not money. And I, what's interesting is because I, I bet a lot of people thought, well, this is the NFA money lady. She's going to say success is making a million dollars a year or whatever. But that yeah. really, that is, that could allow you freedom. And typically money does allow you freedom that other things can't, but freedom of choice. And that's what I teach a lot in my programs. It's about, I want to give you choices. I want you to work less and make more. Okay. More could be money, freedom, choices, impact, whatever it happens to be. Now, what I also found really the reason I started this podcast to begin with is that I was, um, you know, I become a successful entrepreneur out of it as an unemployed school teacher. You and I have a lot in common. I, I did. I was a school teacher, not a professor. I did work on my PhD. I just didn't finish. I just didn't do the dissertation. I, I, my wife is like, are you going to make any more money by doing all this? I'm like, yeah, I don't know why I'm doing this. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so, so I started, I started studying kind of casually um, other successful entrepreneurs around, just around town, just over, over a bourbon or, or dinner. I would say, well, what, what, how did you become successful? And what I found was that there was these five things that appeared in everybody's story. So I want to see if they appear in your story. And I think they already do because I've, I've been paying attention, listening through my lenses. Um, so the first key to success that I find that most, most entrepreneurs like you have used to unlock success is that of passion. And passion's a weird word because a lot of people think that passion means you really love it, you enjoy it, you enjoy it, and it's emotionally satisfying. And certainly that is a modern definition of passion. But the root word of passion means to suffer or to endure. So what I found is the key to entrepreneur success is that willingness to endure for the thing. And I see in your story exactly that. I mean, you endured food stamps and you you, you went back and figured out how to get the $2,000 to go to this thing. And you've, you've built this amazing business. And I think the passion is one of the keys that helped you unlock that. What do you think? What is, what is your perspective? Absolutely. Yes. And you know, I love this. You and I talked about this on my show, um, the difference between, I usually use the word inspiration because of that word. I'm very conscious of the way I use words and passion means to suffer. And I'm like, I don't want to build a business where I'm suffering. I love the frame of it of to endure because you will endure a lot in your business building adventures. Like it, it's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> and I often think of it as, in, you know, I think I teach people from zone of genius, which is like inspired path. So absolutely. It's the why it's the inspirational, passionate fire where you're like, I'm staying on track no matter what. I'll, I'll go through the ups and downs. I'll see the failures as on the way to success. I will continue to learn and grow. I don't even see failures as failures because I learned so much from them. And so uh, absolutely. And it's this, it's this quest in my heart and in my soul, like to where, I mean, I can cry about it right now to think about when people have breakthroughs that I help them have, that is like awesome. Like that is what juices me up. You know, it's like, helping people understand themselves. I am very passionate about, and I love, I love that journey and that process. Well, it's very cool when you see entrepreneurs be able to combine both sides of passion, mental and emotional, um, because I think the emotional is what drives most people and the emotional will not lead by itself. And mm-hmm. there has to be this willingness. So for example, in my life, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm passionate about, I really enjoy is I love 
automobiles and cars and trucks and motorcycles. And so I've never had a business in those areas, but I'm in the process right now of purchasing a motorcycle dealership because that's something I, I am, I'm an emotionally connected to and passionate about, but I'm also willing to endure. I, I'm willing yeah. to sign on the, the dotted line for all that cash. It's going to require to, to get that dealership and to make the sacrifices to get it going. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you believe that, that that is part of your story as well. Now the, the second key, and there's five of these, the second key is that of being at the right place Mm. at the right time. And I think that in your story, it's interesting because, you know, your husband, ex-husband was doing electric cars, um, you know, 20 years ago, that wouldn't even been a possibility. So there's a place in time. There's an era that that happened that led you to start thinking about yeah. what to do next. You're also at the university during a toxic time of leadership transition that pushed you in a certain direction. But what do you think was the right place in time for you that led you to be successful? You know, this is an interesting one. And it, it actually, I think part of the reason that he wasn't successful because that was 20 years ago, like when he was starting that process, you know, it was like he was on the forefront as a pioneer and, and, you know, so giving him credit, him and I are very close today. And so it's, you know, he knows how much I love him and it's like, he's a brilliant mind and he was definitely ahead of his time. And so it did make the business adventure hard. It was almost like wrong place at wrong place, wrong time. And a couple of <laughs> years later would have been amazing, you know, and he's, he's, he endured, he, he loved, you know, he still works in that world. So, so there's that, that um, you know, this is a really interesting one because being a person who studies manifestation and law of attraction and universal laws, I think it's always the right place at the right time. Like you're never in a place that is not the perfect spot for you. We might not think that when we're in it. And when we have the hindsight perspective, we always look back and go, Oh, I get why that happened that way. You know? So it's like, I think we're always in the right place at the right time. I, I don't think there's ever a mistake. I don't think the universe makes mistakes. And so it's like, it's, it's how you perceive it again. Yeah. Just like you did. You paid attention to yeah. the room. Like I'm going to do this. Well, no, 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 actually this, no, 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 actually this. And that's your third point of your NFA plan is that let the universe guide you pay attention to what's happening so that you can be guided in the right direction. So that's yeah. it's really cool how that plays in. Now, the third key, Amanda, is that of knowing the right people. Mm. And I have to believe that Brendan Burchard and Dr. John D. Martini are two of the right people for you that pushed you into the direction of success. But are there others? Oh, yes. I mean, definitely. And, and I would say knowing the right people, meaning knowing networking in general, like knowing the right people, building your network of people is such a powerful force because just like you and me talking right now. Like we wouldn't be here without connecting through people, you know, and it's such a, it's an amazing way to grow your business. So yeah, mentors, I mean, uh, I would say a lot, I love books, obviously, you know, you can see behind me, like I love books. It's my, I read a lot. And so I feel like every time you read a book, you can have a personal transformation that takes you to the next level. And it's like, you get to spend hours of time with this person who's written this book and think like them and understand them and, and get gems of wisdom. So one of the first a couple women that really impacted me, Debbie Ford. Uh, she wrote a book called the dark side of the light chasers. And she is well known for mainstreaming shadow work and just oh, like, like I, she, she passed before I got a chance to hang out with her. I'm like, Oh, I would, I would, I wish I could hang out with her. She's amazing. And then um, Byron Katie, I, have you heard of Byron Katie? She's no. 
ah, such good work. Like just those two books at the beginning of my journey were so transformational. Um, you know, she teaches what she calls the work and it's four simple questions to ask yourself. Is it true? So every time you have a thought, is it true? How do I, am I certain it's true? Because usually we'll be like, it's true. And we want to stand in this blaming and judging. And when you really get down to it, very few things are actually true. It's just about your perception. So is it true? How do I know it's true? What do I do when I believe the thought? How would, who would I be without the thought? And so you start to transform yourself from the inside out and shift your, your perspective. So those teachings, life-altering as well. So Debbie Ford and Byron Katie. So the fourth key is that of preparation and preparation. What I mean by that is the know-how to pull it off. Mm -hmm. You know, how did you have the know-how to pull it off? And I think based on your story, you know, you, you're prepared with this 15 year uh, journey with your husband and, 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 and what that taught you, your ex-husband, and what that taught you going through the seven years of grad school and what that taught you. And then being on food stamps, that, that time in your life where you're at the bottom financially and desperate, I think that prepared you to now also understand, you know, what other people are going through, but beyond that, just the real life preparation is you actually have a degree. I mean, you have a doctorate in sociology that, help prepare you to be a, an amazing coach today. Is that the way you see it? Or how would you see how you were prepared to be successful? Yeah, I love, I love these steps you're talking about and they're so, so fitting and absolutely. I agree. Um, you know, I think we're preparing ourselves every single day and I think it's critical that you constantly prepare yourself through learning. Like the cool thing about us as beings is that we have brain plasticity and we can learn anything new at any point in time. And you can change yourself from the inside out. So it's like, for me, I look at all those experiences and preparation I had throughout my life as absolutely, they all got me to where I am. The bad, the good, the yucky, the ugly, the things that used to feel traumatizing to me. Now I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I wouldn't take one second of my life back because it all prepared me for who I am today and what I get to do in the world today. And the fifth P is plan. They're all P's, by the way. You know, you can't take the pastor out of me, I guess. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so you got passion, you got place, yeah. you got people, you got preparation plan. And plan is not business plan because I, th- I think that has very little to do with people's success because there are lots of great business plans from unsuccessful people. But the plan I'm referring to is what was your plan to financially uh, to finance your ability to get into the field so that you could be successful. And you told that fantastic story about Dr. Martini saying, Nope, you got to come up with the 2000 on your own. And you like, how do I get $2,000? And you were selling stuff, figuring it out. And you're, Hey, I got this $2,000 is that to me is one of the great stories about I'm dedicated to this outcome and I'm going to do whatever the hell it takes to make sure that it happens. So I think your, your plan was that, I mean, am I saying it wrong? What do you think? No, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And that's always the way it works, right? Like when (laughs) I have on my board written in, it's only in the absence of value that money is an issue. Okay. So, and I, you know, use this with my clients a lot because they'll be like, I can't, you know, I can't charge that much and it freaks me out. And it's like, well, what's the perceived value of what you're, charging, right? That's your plan. Where, where, what do you perceive as being valuable as a human? You will find money for, right? Like look back at your life. Anybody that's listening, look back at what you've spent money on. It's in your highest values. So if your business is a high value for you, you'll figure out a way to have it fly. You will, you will with passion and endurance, you will stay on course and you will come up with the plan and the universe will show you the plan. 
too, because you're so dedicated and you're signaling the universe. I'm serious. I'm committed. I'm driven. I'm going here. Here I am showing up every day. Universe, bring me the plan. And it works beautifully. Well, and it's, that's, that's the explanation to why we as coaches or anybody out there who has coaches or that know that you'll have one prospect and you'll pit, you'll, you'll talk to them about your services and they'll write a check for a hundred, $125,000 to hire you to do something. And you got another person that you pitch some $25,000 product product or packaged in like, nah, cost too much. Okay. Well, it doesn't cost too much. You just don't value it. And that's <laughs> yeah. okay. Maybe yeah. it was my fault. Maybe I didn't, I didn't make it the perceived need high enough for you to see that there was value in it. But uh, Amanda, I, I love, I love your plan. I love what's going on. So tell, let's finish the show by you telling people directly, how would they get involved with NFA? How would they get involved with you? How would they reach out and, and what value could you bring to them and what you're doing? Yeah. You know, first, because we talked about money stories so much, I have a inexpensive money story course to teach people how to walk through their money story. So if they go to rewrite your money story now.com, they can find just direct access to money story. You know, it, since we talked about that, I want to make sure I give that link freebies in terms of walking through stuff that I have that will also link them to the money story. If they go to nfamoneyformula.com, there's amazing, you know, three, I think it's about three hours of me talking, teaching, giving you ideas and, and then linking them to resources through me. Um, my handle is NFA money. So they'll find me everywhere. NFA money, YouTube, I release two to five videos a week. Um, you know, NFA money on Instagram, NFA money website. I've got all kinds of awesome stuff to help people really, like we said, heal their relationship to money so that they can have money confidence so that they can have that freedom and choose the life that they want to create which is success, according to Dr. Amanda Berientes. <laughs> yes. All right. So let me make sure I got this right. Right. It's rewriteyourmoneystorynow.com yep. or nfamoneyformula.com. Yeah. And they can find you anywhere on any of uh, the social media platforms. Just look up NFA money. Um, so advice time. This is why I like to end with the show with a piece of advice from you to the listener. So the listeners span the spectrum of all things entrepreneurship, very beginning, like you were back in 2019, to the people making nine figures. Like there, there's everything in between listening to this show. And I'm grateful for every one of those listeners. But I want you to speak to the front end. I want you to speak to those people where you were years, a few years back and say, this is my advice. This is the critical piece of advice that you need from somebody that's a little further down the road than you. What would that advice be? Uh, I'll, I'll say this first, and it's, it links to everything we've talked about. Your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. So if you don't like what you're getting on the outside, you've got to transform what's within. And what this means is master yourself. Every single day, learn how to be better and better and better, because when you grow, your business will grow. And it's not the other way around. It's not like, oh, I'll have a successful business and then I'll be happy. It's you be happy, you be driven, you be committed now, and then you attract your business your way. So know that it's your most important, critical thing you can do. I don't care what level of money you're at. I don't care what stage of business you're at. It is master yourself so that you can enjoy your success and enjoy the journey and not create a prison out of your business. Well, Amanda, it's been such a uh, pleasure having this conversation with you. I think you and I need to do some more stuff together and we'll talk post-show. I've got an idea for you that I think we need to do. Fun. Yeah. But awesome. I think that your clients, 
Uh, I mean, my clients rather need access to this money story stuff because while I'm, I understand it, I don't understand it the depth that you do. And that's why I like having people like you in my corner, my network. So I can say, Hey, I know a lady you need to talk to. So uh, we, you and I should do some work. So, but, but anyway, thank you so much for joining us from Colorado Springs today on the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Well, there you have it. Another really cool and interesting success story from a successful entrepreneur. And I I really love her story. And what's interesting is that her story is pretty new, right? Only three, three and a half, four years into this thing. And she's, she's killing it. And that is a testament to all of you out there to know that no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter what sex you are, no matter if you have kids, don't have kids, it doesn't matter. You have the opportunity to manifest greatness in your life, to manifest impact. And not just this mumbo jumbo, think it and it will come, but like take actions. Her three steps were number one, with certainty, state what you want. Number two, take actions into that direction, step into it. And then step three is let the universe guide you. Just like in her story, she made these small pivots each at each step of the journey. And and you can do the same thing too. So here's what I want to offer you as we end this show today, both Dr. Amanda and I are coaches. And if you need help with your money story, go to rewriteyourmoneystorynow.com. Check that out. Let her help you with that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to invite her. We talked, we've talked about this already. Uh, to a future Entrepreneur Masters series that I do with guests like her on uh, on YouTube and Zoom. We're going to be talking about her special superpower, and we're going to be doing a show just on money story, tactical stuff, not stories about her story, but like your story. How do we get into your story? So go to go sign up for that and then be on the lookout for when I produce uh, the EMS, the Entrepreneur Master Series with her. And if you haven't signed up for my newsletter, go to therealjasonduncan.com and scroll to the bottom of the footer and sign up for the newsletter. Let me get you in there so that you can know about the stuff that's going on. And then finally, if you're interested in accelerating your path to success, where you get that freedom to, to make choices like Dr. Amanda was talking about, then I want you to sign up for my next business accelerator. You can learn about this at exitwithoutexiting.com. This business accelerator is eight hours of live coaching that will teach you exactly how to delegate tasks so that you don't have to do everything. It'll teach you how to eliminate stress from your life and your business and manage your schedule well. You'll learn a time management skill that is used by millionaires all over the world. You'll also learn how to establish the proper sales system in your in your business so that you can get predictable revenue. And then finally, you'll learn how to invest in your employees right the right way. As a matter of fact, I'll teach you a 10-step method to find, hire, and onboard team members who will never leave. That's what you learn in the Business Accelerator. It's accelerating your path to that exit. To exit without exiting whenever you want gives you that opportunity. So go to exit without exiting. Dot com. Make sure you tune in again next week when I talk with yet another amazingly successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.